You're listening to Pride Month on the Voice of Dog. This is Rob McWolf, your fellow traveler, and today's story is the second and final part of Vagabond by Tiberius Rings and Fruits, who have co-written their Victorian age thriller Come to Dust and are currently publishing the sequel, Burn Down the Tower, each chapter illustrated by Fruits. A third book is currently being written to end the trilogy of Simon King. A word of caution. While today's story is intended as a celebration of queer history, mention is made of a character having endured thoughts of self-harm. We at the Voice of Dog urge you to remember that you are not alone, and to reach out if you need help. Last time, our narrator, Bo, began to recount how he left his small down to figure out what it meant to be gay. On his journey, he met friends from the internet who shared their experiences with him. We left Bo experiencing his first time in Flagstaff, Arizona, with Claude and his gay poly relationship. Please enjoy Vagabond by Tiberius Rings and Fruits, Part 2 of 2. I think of my sojourn in Flagstaff as the time when I really embraced the gay culture in a way that I couldn't in Boston. These were men who were beginning to settle in, didn't want or need to go out all the time and party, although they absolutely still did, were developing their lives. The thing that struck me was that they were just so happy all the time. It wasn't fake, either. You could tell that they had found the people they wanted to be with, and they were genuinely loving every moment of it. They also took me under their wing, so to speak. Jason showed me how to really dress if I wanted to attract guys. He brought me to the mall many times, had me try on all sorts of clothes, even stuff I would never have worn back home. For the first time in my life, I felt sexy and desired beyond just the people I knew online. That was the part of my life I found men at the gay clubs and spent nights with them. Not all the time, not every night, but I was flirting, looking for someone to develop a relationship with, and I was enjoying the sex. It was a kind of freedom I didn't have in Boston, where I was so scared to be on my own in a gay club that I had stuck to Nick like glue. But here, I had gone out many times and the boys didn't want to, and I didn't come home till the next morning. It was in Flagstaff that I realized I could be more than just a gay kid. I could be a gay man and thrive with that kind of life. I spent two years there. I was happy, but I was also alone. I, I never had a serious relationship, and once again I had felt the pull of something more. I yearned to see more, so I was back on the road to continue my journey as a vagabond. When I left Arizona, I was not the neophyte who'd driven in looking for scrambled eggs and bacon. I had more experience, more confidence and a better understanding of who I was and what I wanted. Claude, Jason, and Miles were together for the rest of their lives. I went to their wedding, and, sadly, their funerals. I miss them dearly. I consider them the men who really showed me what I could get in life if I pushed for it, but when I feel sad about their passing, I'll remember how happy they were and what joy they brought the people around them. I look at their picture every night before I go to bed, remembering those friends who gave me so much and asked for nothing in return. And coming out of the closet and embracing yourself is harder than most people think. Sure, back when I was a kid, things were definitely improving, but what about the men before my generation? I was about to get a history lesson on what it meant to be a homosexual the decades prior. After leaving Arizona, I went where 
everyone on a wandering journey around America inevitably goes California. I'd only thought about going to Hollywood and seeing the things I'd only seen on TV, but something pulled me up the highway, and I soon find myself in the historical city of San Francisco, a place where LGBTQIA plus people had been flocking to for decades. The first thing first, of course, I did the touristy things, going to Alcatraz, seeing the Golden Gate, eating the wonderful food in the Mission District, going to Sutro Tower one by one, I checked off the list all the stuff I needed to do as a tourist before I sang my teeth into the meat of the city. I didn't really know anyone in this area, so I put my name out on a few message boards. man saw my post requesting for a place to crash and reached out. We decided to meet up at a local coffee shop. He was an older tiger, not old as you know, but he was definitely not someone I would have sought out to be friends with back then. I was so superficial in those days, I'm sorry. The tiger was still good looking, a man who kept up with his time at the gym, but you could see the years starting to work him over. His eyes looked a little tired, and his body did not have that spelt feline grace you would expect, though I did observe some muscles rippling under that orange fur. He's wearing a nice button-up shirt, a vest, with green-rimmed glasses. And when he stood up from the table, he towered over me, holding out a giant hand to shake mine. Bo, his voice was warm and smooth. He smiled down at me with a charm I did not expect. That's me, you're Arnold? I kept feeling my eyes wanting to drift over his body. This man was old enough to be my paw, but he was attractive. I was almost scared about that, but also somewhat thrilled. Till now, no one had shown interest in me besides men hovering around my age. This was uncharted territory. Guilty as charged. Tiger said and motioned to the table. I took the liberty of ordering you some coffee. My treat. Thanks. I sat down, wrapping my fingers around the steaming cup of coffee that was admittedly some of the best I'd ever had. I explained to him about my adventure, and I was looking to stay in the city for an indeterminate amount of time. He said that was fine, he even offered to help me find a job. He worked up in Mountain View making video games, I realized that this man had money. I was a little surprised he wanted to take some riffraff in, but I was not going to turn a blind eye to kindness. The house may be a bit much compared to most places here, but just know that I'm not one of those snobs. Arnold led me to his house that was set into a hill overlooked the city. It had large windows with expensive-looking sofas and artwork. The house looked old on the outside, but was glamorous and new on the inside. Arnold seemed to be giddy with showing me how everything in the home could be controlled with a touch screen hidden into the walls all over the house. He was a real tech guy, and his den was a testament to that passion. There was a long workbench with various computers, monitors, and shelves, uh, games, and other video game paraphernalia. Large lights set into the ceiling showing the room with muted coloring, illuminating curved sofas that all faced inward, not outward. On the wall were VR goggles and controllers, complete with full body and facial tracking devices. He showed me a recording he made in VR of an avatar, a blue-colored tiger wielding a giant sword. The movements were crisp and fluid. I made the hardware for this tech. I've been refining the code, he explained. It's on the market now, but this stuff is a prototype I'm working on. 
It's not great, but it's going to be something major one day. Just you wait. Arnold was humble. When I was able to look him up on my phone, I found the man was one of those souls who came around once in a generation. He didn't care about money or fame. He wanted to give something to the world and push his knowledge as far as he could while still having fun. He was bashful about showing off, though acting like he would be scolded for it. I made it my mission to make time for him if he wanted to show me something. He was letting me live here rent-free, after all. Weeks went on, and I found myself loving the gay culture in San Francisco. It was diverse and broad, with all kinds of people from all walks of life. I learned something about our history, such as Harvey Milk and the AIDS epidemic of the 80s, and started to realize that the men before us had been through a lot. Arnold was deserved, but also incredibly friendly. He never wanted to go out to the bars or clubs with me, which I did offer, but when he wanted to go out to dinner and I was home, he always invited me, and it was always his treat. He wasn't trying to romance me. I could tell that from the beginning. It was something else. The man was lonely. It took months for him to open up to me about his life. And even then, it was incredibly difficult to get more than a mumble out of him initially. He seemed embarrassed, but it all came to a head when there was a knock on the front door one Sunday morning. When I answered the door, I Saw a young tiger about my age standing there. He looked surprised, which I can't blame him for, since I expected a tiger, and it's saw a raccoon greeting them at the door, but quickly recovered. Hey, is Arnold here? Yeah, I said, but secretly thinking, what was Arnold doing inviting someone home that was my age? He never had guests beside the odd friend from work and his Dungeons and Dragons group every other Saturday. He had roped me into the game, and I quickly became a fan. Wait, Arnold shouted as he came running down the corner, panting and holding the wall. He grunted. Trat, I was trying to get to the door before you, Bo. The younger tiger muscled past me and walked up to Arnold, hugging him tightly. Hey, Dad. My ringtail puffed, and I stood there staring at the embracing tiger with saucer-like eyes. Arnold blushed deeply about this revelation about the young tiger. I smiled politely and shook my head. No sweat, Arnie. I was in the middle of something anyway. I left the father and son alone. The son, Arthur, stuck around for hours during which I heard them having fun in the game room. I wanted to join in, but thought it would be impolite to barge in, so I let the family have their time and stayed in my room or the bedroom I was borrowing. It wasn't until Arthur left that Arnold knocked on my door. Hey, he said as he stepped in. Can we talk? Arnie, you don't have to tell me anything. I watched the tiger twitch his nail nervously, frowning. But you're still my friend, and I don't, you know, think anything less about you if you're worried about that. Arnold turned to leave with his hands in his neatly pressed pants pocket, but stopped, shook his head, and came back inside. Sat in a chair and faced me. I think I'm okay to talk about it. I listened politely as Arnold took a deep breath. Arthur is one year older than you, give or take a month or two. I have two other sons. 
Andrew and Aiden. Triplets. The other two are probably going to stop by sometime this month as well, just so you know. I, well, it was a different time back then, Bo. I tilted my head. You mean because you had a wife and kids? Arnold nodded solemnly. When, when I was a younger man, being gay was almost the same as being a criminal. People thought I'd go about abusing children that I stalked schools and wanted to only satisfy my deviancy. You heard it everywhere you went. There wasn't anything like the internet in those days. No online message boards and communities, not big ones anyway. I had no one to talk to. So I convinced myself I was not gay. Swallowed everything about what made me who I was and met my wife. Arnold smiled as his eyes unfocused and seemed to be looking at something across time. She was a great woman, you know. We got along so well at work. We were best friends. She could finish my sentences and I hers. I loved her and I still do love her, but not in the way that matters. We endured, got married. I remember I was so nervous on my wedding night. I was a true blue virgin, if you can believe that. I think that's why I was able to finish. I was so excited I didn't last long. But I remember thinking that something didn't feel right. I had never slept with a woman before, so I didn't know what the point of reference was. I knew that gay men who had slept with women said it felt fine, but also off, like it wasn't meant for them. I think that's what Arnold was trying to tell me. Still, I pushed on. We didn't have sexual relations often, and most of the time I would lose my ability, if you know what I mean. At first, she was okay with it. When we had the boys, we were both so busy with taking care of three boys and our careers that I hadn't out. I had done my fatherly duties. I had children. But I could tell she wanted me to be more romantic, more loving, and I didn't know how to fulfill that. I was supportive and kind, but I never got the desire to bring her flowers or chocolates or swoon her. She knew I was attracted to men. She had known since before we got married, and I think she was starting to realize how true it was. The older tiger plucked his glasses from his face and wiped his eyes. Things quickly deteriorated between us. I was trying to find any excuse to not go home or work overtime. I had finally worked up the courage to go to the gay neighborhood, the Castro, one night, and, oh, my world opened up to me. I watched Arnold's face lit up like the sun. I met a guy at a bar, oh gosh, a lion, I think, swept me off my feet. I felt drawn in like a magnet that night. I cheated on my wife and my vows. But it had been the most liberating moment of my young life, Bo. I left feeling so good and so awful. I kept it all inside and kept sneaking away, spending time away from my young family because I was finally feeling like myself. That's not a bad thing, Arnie, I said softly. The tiger lifted his hand to shush me politely. 
I'm sure she knew. She endured it for more than anyone should have, and I was not careful about my infidelity. Lord knows I should have been, though. What do you mean? Back then, there was the AIDS epidemic, but no one really called it that. Hell, no one really knew what it was, but it was killing gay men at a rapid rate. Back then, sex was a lot more free and a lot less keen on the idea of sexual protection. I slept around with reckless abandon, and I was an idiot for it. I tried to sleep with my wife several times while I cheated on her and realized that if I'd been infected, I could have gotten her sick, too. Thankfully, that never came around. Arnold swallowed hard. Oh, that time was an awful period to be gay. Oh, especially here. On one hand, you felt liberated because you felt like you could be yourself, be free, but oh, God, Bo, so many of my friends got sick and died. I've been to more funerals than I want to count. I watched good men, wonderful men die slowly, painfully, and above all, alone. When these men were sick and dying in the hospitals, the nurses didn't want to go near them, and their families abandoned them. Man was openly crying now, tears forming a moist train on the fur's face. I lost so many good people, and I was hurting a woman who was my friend. <sighs> Eventually, it all came crashing down around me, and she left me, took our boys, and moved to Santa Cruz. She never blamed it on me being gay, but I had broken our family by not trying harder, or so I thought. On top of all of this, my friends were sick or dying, if not dead. I didn't know who to turn to, who to talk to. I considered suicide more than once, Bo. It took me years to come around. I hated being gay. I hated that I lost my family, that my friends were dying, and that society didn't like me, so I tried hard not to be. I shut my heart down, and while I was able to function, I wasn't living. I realized that I'd cut myself off from feeling things because I was so scared to be hurt. I've worked hard to undo that barrier, but it's still up. I'm sure you can tell. I don't talk about myself a lot, and I don't really know how to be around other gay men like I used to. Arnold stared at me with tears streaming down his face, but he was smiling. When I saw your ad, I thought this might be a great opportunity for me to just let the barriers come down completely. You have the chance to be yourself in a society that doesn't hate gay men like they did in mine. I'm envious, and I admit to living this new life vicariously through you to some degree, but you being here, Bo, has been rewarding for me in so many ways. I should have told you about my boys, but... I was afraid you'd look down on me if you found out I'd shunned being who I was. I quietly scooted over, put my arms around Arnold, and hugged him tightly and close. He buried his face into my shoulder, and I felt him sob. I don't judge people like that, I said. And I'm so sorry you were, Arnold. 
Pretty soon I could also feel myself shedding tears at the thought of how much the man must have suffered. I had no idea that good, kind people like Arnold could struggle with being gay well in the middle age. I had no idea it could hurt them so much. And I realize now that I was very lucky I had mostly positive experiences. Arnold was wounded and he needed someone to help him heal. He was pleading for my help. After that day, we became very close. At my urging, he went to see a therapist, but said he would only go if I went with him. He started following me out of the house more, though he said the clubs were too loud, and having a good time. One night, while walking through downtown, he stopped and kissed me on the lips. At first, I wasn't sure what to make of the kiss, but I liked it. I realized then that I wanted someone like Arnold in my life, someone wise and mature who could help guide me through my troubles. My own pa was never so involved in my life and knew nothing about being gay. I realized when our lips touched that we both needed each other for different but wonderful reasons. As we walked home that night, his strapped tail reached around and intertwined with my ringed one. We became romantically involved from then on. Until then, I never thought I would see myself as someone older, but I liked it. It made me think of Nick and his professor. But it was different with us. I think we were pulled closer because of need, rather than pure sexual attraction. Days spent with him were sometimes wild, sometimes funny, but always wholesome. Arnold never did figure out how to use TikTok. That period of growth and learning was, admittedly, the first time in my life that I felt content. I just wish it could have lasted longer. Arnold passed away seven years later. He went in his sleep and didn't suffer. Losing him hurt me in ways I didn't expect. But I knew that this was the reality of dating someone so much older than me. Tiger left me his home and a rather surprising amount of money. I'm in the house right now, typing away, sitting at the desk that used to be his. Arnold never bought cheap furniture. That, my dear reader, is something I wanted to share with you. That being gay isn't about rainbows and corporate icons, but rather it's about people. Our history is often overshadowed or omitted, so there is always so much more to tell. Every person who comes out of the closet to be themselves and go against what society may expect of them will face some trial, some tribulation. Each journey is different. Each journey is precious. I was fortunate back then as a hatchling, and today I'm damned lucky to be as old as I am. I met wonderful people in my life who helped me figure out the question that was always on my mind since I was a teenager. What does it mean to be gay? Even after all these years, after all these experiences, listening to people sharing their lives, meeting new men, marrying my late husband when I was almost Arnold's age at the time we first met, I can't tell you what it means. But if I can impart one kernel of wisdom, it's that pain goes away and joy always comes back. So go ahead and take flight. There's still much to be discovered, my dear vagabond. Beaumont Beau, June. 
This was the second and final part of Vagabond by Tiberius Rings and Fruits, read for you by Rob McWolf, Werewolf Hitchhiker. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog, or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Pride, and thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog. <laughs>